This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealou, Paul Calvisi, and two-time Pro Bowler Lorenzo Alexander. So timing is everything, right? Week one on Sunday, the Cardinals play at Washington. So why don't we bring someone back who knows both organizations? Six seasons in Washington, two with the Arizona Cardinals. Welcome back, Zoe. Yeah, yeah. I actually was there, I think, seven years. One was a practice squad. Practice squad, squad. okay. Squad, that's why yeah. I did not show up on Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was a long time in Washington, so I had a great time there. And then I came directly from here after there when uh, Bruce Arians' first year here. Question is, what position was he playing? That's true. Was There's he playing, a long yeah. list. Right? Long I mean, list. was he was playing, you know, place. offense or defense? Was he playing that or this? I mean, my right, didn't Washington, you went through a whole iteration of positions. Yeah, I was you? all over the place. You know, you, you talk about the versatility of guys these days, you know. Um, you know, to your point, in one game I played tackle, offensive tackle, or no. offensive guard, defensive tackle, defensive end, right, special teams, <laughs> line up at fullback and like that big tight end, ex-tight end. Um, and that was in, I think, the New York Giants. We played them um, in New York in 2007, I believe. So, yeah, I was all over the place. Wow. See, we made a big deal, Paul, about the preseason finale. Jesse Lucchetta playing a little offense, yeah. defense, and special teams. Yeah. yeah. Zoe over yeah. says, yeah, hold my water. Right. Regular season <laughs> game, too. What was the heaviest <laughs> you ever wore? When you were a guard in your old lineman days, how heavy were you? 315. <laughs> really? Yeah, wow. I was 315, and by the end, I was probably around 235, 240. Oh, my God. So, hey, you know, you just do what you – people always make a big deal out of it, and I guess it it is to be able to lose that amount of weight because it is hard to lose weight. But for me, it was it was uh, out of necessity. I wanted to achieve my dream, and that was just a part of it. You know, what do you need me to do? All right, I'll do this, and I maybe have to lose 10 to 15 pounds over a course of probably three or four years as I move further and further away from the ball. By the way, speaking of losing things, as we paint the picture here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, since this is audio, Paul Calvisi, as promised, the mustache did not make the final cutdown. I told you. It wasn't going to make the final cuts. Now, it made it through the initial wave, but then when the waiver <laughs> claims uh, showed up, we had to get rid of it. You know, it's just not winning behavior, especially now with the regular season here. It just didn't cut. didn't check that box. So, boom, it's addition by subtraction. I Believe wish I would have got a chance to see that. I don't think I've ever seen you with a stash, Paulie. You probably look really weird. See, in my mind, it was Andrew Chafin, the D-backs reliever, with his big old cowboy-esque handlebar mustache. It just yeah. didn't quite ever grow into that. I, I, I needed performance yeah. enhancers, which yeah. obviously now the regular season here they start testing. Mm. So I didn't want to test positive because I really did need the PEDs for the mustache. So the mustache did not make the initial or final 53-man roster, but it's really not ever final but we have 53 players 17 on the practice squad and that does include Bernard Sykovitz but Paul of those 53 players 27 are brand new to the Arizona Cardinals organization including 11 count them 11 rookies no roster has more turnover from one year to the next than the Arizona Cardinals so we've been joking and these guys thought I was joking I wasn't 
that this whole offseason has been the sixth uh, version of the Purge movie. Okay, oh, there are five Purge yeah. movies. This has been the sixth. That's how much turnover there has right. been. And even DJ Humphreys said yesterday, right, that a year ago guys were joking about, or was Zayvon Collins, a year ago guys were joking the locker room was like the retirement home. There were so many old guys. Not anymore. It is a totally different yeah. look as they have tried to recreate a different culture. Think about last year and how we talked about in September, it's the new August. How the Cardinals just sort of eased their way into last season. You saw a lot of preseason-esque mistakes last year in September. You know, okay, as long as we're good by December, that is not going to be the approach this year. That is not going to be the culture or the mindset from this head coach and the way they're coaching out there. They're not going to be the most talented team. We get that. But I don't expect to see all those mistakes we saw last September when they finally kick it off. Right, and now to give you an opportunity to win, I think when you – factor in right the older guys moving on and then a new coaching staff coming in and wanting to make this their team and their image right you typically have a lot of guys turning over especially when you think about the coach and I went through this in Buffalo and uh, when Sean McDermott came in significant amount of turnover got rid of guys that were first round picks Sammy Watkins Marcel Darius right people thought we were punting on the season right because I think that next year had a ton of quarterbacks in it much like what people are talking about right now right and we had I think we ended up getting Josh that next year but we made the playoffs we broke the drought 17 year playoff drought and a lot of that to what you're talking about with the new coaching staff is was the culture we had a lot of blue collar glue guys that nobody really wanted who was that but we galvanized around each other we had a lot of young guys that they had brought in right that weren't used to losing we created a culture of winning and, and how do you become a professional and accountability and really use that to springboard what you see now as Buffalo being a perennial playoff team, right? And so when you take that that type of uh, model and apply it to here, that's that that's what it reminds me of with JG and, and Monty are doing and, and the guys that they're bringing in. Because I had a chance to, to work out – or not work out. We did a camp with all the rookies. And typically you can look around and you talk to a couple of guys and how they're interacting and kind of they vibing and say, oh, this guy isn't going to make it. I didn't get that sense with anybody. Everybody had a professionalism about themselves, um, really related well, spoke well, integrated with the kids, one another. Um, and also what I found out is that one of the guys wasn't kind of falling in line with that and he got released, right? And so they're holding guys accountable. If you don't fit in, we're moving on. We don't have time to wait and try to see – because we have a vision of where we want this football to do. And you have to be really strong and stringent early on in that process because you're really trying to establish who you are and what you want to do. And, and so I say all that to say I like what the organization is doing from an accountability standpoint and the guys that they're bringing in. And it's going to be a, a progress. We'll see what happens this year. But I wouldn't count them out. You know, it's four and a half wins is the, is the over-under. I'm a, I would take the over just because of what I see and what it reminds me of in, in my experience. The roster turnover to be expected with a new front office, new coaching staff, and coming off a 4-13 and 13 season. But as I mentioned, 11 rookies. That's a lot of players that you're going to be counting on this season. So how do you get them ready for week one? Here's head coach Jonathan Gannon. It's their first time I tell them. Week one is different than what they've ever felt before. You know what I mean? But you got to be emotionally stable. you got to be able to focus in on what you have to do with each call. Lock in, do your job. Um, you know, you're going to make some good plays. You're going to make some bad plays. you got to play the next snap. Uh, you got to fit into the team and what we're trying to get done. Uh, I'm excited for them. This coming up on Sunday, though, is really the fourth phase for, at least in my 
opinion for these rookies. There's the offseason, there's mm-hmm. one type of speed, and then there's training camp. It ramps up a little bit, and then there's preseason games. And then you have this gigantic leap from preseason tempo and play to regular season tempo and play that 11 players, i.e. a Paris Johnson, on right. the right side of that, whoever he's blocking this Sunday, and you'll get a different sense of the speed of the game and how physical the game is versus what they had yeah. experienced earlier. Yeah, and you know what? It, it, the game itself, guys don't like all of a sudden run faster, right, than what you saw. You Typically, there's more stuff that's going in, more game planning, more plays, more schematics, how I'm going to attack you. And so you have to remember a lot. And then on top of that, the anxiety of now, these games actually matter, right? And that's often the, the, the uh, individual's ability to process all that, to control all that stuff that's going inside of them as they're competing, allows the game to either slow down or it seems like, man, this game is just way too fast, but this dude is so athletic. What is happening? Because he's not able to process and handle the emotions, the mentality of the game, the uh, the all of the adjustments and checks. And so, yeah, it, it's going to speed up. That's why each one is a next step because you get a little bit more uh, mental stuff. The coach get a little bit more. Now when we come to the sideline, we got to adjust. Everything we did in practice all week, throw it out because it's not working. We need to make an adjustment. Can you handle that, right? And so that's what you want to see these young guys doing. A guy like Paris, uh, you know, he's like a pro's pro. He's one of those guys where you see as a young guy, you walk up to him, oh, man, this dude's going to be in the league for a long time. So I'm not worried about a guy like him. It's going to see how all those other guys kind of handle those adjustments and being able to take advantage of special teams and then their smaller roles and then grow into whatever player they're going to be. Not a rookie, obviously, Buda Baker. And I think really the heart and soul of this team, maybe even the face of the team right now, especially with Kyler Murray on the sideline watching and not participating. He was a guest recently on the Dave Patch podcast as far as what he sees with this current Cardinals organization and looking into 2023 discipline, accountability, a team that's just going to play very fast, um, a team that doesn't care about what anybody else thinks. Everybody that's in that circle, everybody that's in that huddle, those are the only ones that matter. And uh, we're just going to play football at a high level. I I definitely believe that 100%. I like the comparison that Zoe made to Sean McDermott year one in Buffalo. We started camp. We had Josh Woods and the Big Red Rage. Linebacker came over from the Lions. And I said, Did you, do you see similarities between what Dan Campbell did? And he cut me off. He said, absolutely, I do. And I have the quote right here. He said, there's a lot of no-nonsense with this JG coaching staff without micromanaging. They're putting the responsibility on the players, which creates accountability. He said, it's also equal opportunity. No smoke and mirrors, right? You're building trust with the players. And when the players trust you as a staff, it's easy to play for them. So that's sort of the culture that I think they established in August. And now we'll see what it looks like in September. But once again, I don't think there's going to be all the mistakes we saw to start last season. I also yeah. think there's going to be another layer of physicality that we just didn't see at all last year, except for a handful of different guys. I think it's going to be more team-wide, that right. sort of mentality, that edge with this team. And, and that and that leads to wins, right? That That's going to give you, you know, two or three additional wins. When we think about – the New England Patriots, for example, and why they won all those years. They didn't – when you played them, it wasn't like, man, these guys are just so much better than us. They played good, sound, disciplined football, and everyone was held accountable from Tom Brady on down. If you didn't play up, Bill, you, you knew you was going to hear from Bill Belichick, and that's the culture that you have to be able to create 
right? Guys are going to make mistakes, but how are you responding? Is this who you are or this was one mistake? And Bill would call you out. And so that's what I'm feeling when you hear about discipline, accountability. Those things matter. Yes, talent is, is a part of this and you want talented guys, but if you lack those things, you're not going to win. You'll be a perennial you know, 500 team, and when you don't have great talent, you'll be lower. But if you have those things and have less talented guys, you can find your way into the playoffs and being a, a better football team than what most people expect. What was it, three years ago, Cardinals went to New England. That was the Cam Newton year. Remember that? Late in the season, Cam Newton's passer rating was like 18. He was awful, and the Patriots won a close game at the end. They blocked a punt. They made some plays. They made great defense. They did everything without – Without any production from the quarterback, they still stole a win against a talented Cardinals team yeah. that year. And to your point, you can do all these other things that go into a winning formula, and I think that's part of what's being established right now. You always like to say, Paul, little things become big things. Well, the reverse as well, as far as little things, you want to make sure these mistakes don't become gigantic mistakes, or you just do the little things to where all of a sudden, at the end, a big thing is a win on Sunday. Let's hope that's the case for the Arizona Cardinals when they play the Washington Commanders at 10 a.m. 5.30. Pre-game coverage begins here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network as we continue on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. D.J. Humphrey's got a nice block. D.J. Humphrey's pumping his chest. And his fist. Under pressure. Goff hit as he throws. It was deflected by Kaiser White. And it's a pick six. Sacked by Gardeck. Oh, my goodness. What a move by Dennis Gardeck. The barbarian. Buda Baker with the sack. Stripped the ball. Recovered it himself inside the 20-yard line. Wow. Snap it to Murray. He's going to keep it running right. Cuts left. Breaks a tackle at the five and into the end zone for the touchdown. Nasty is as nasty does. And we all know that Kyler Murray is nasty. Kyler Murray, James Conner, DJ Humphreys, Buda Baker, Kaiser Whites, and Dennis Gardeck. Those are your six captains for the Arizona Cardinals here this season, as announced by head coach Jonathan Gannon on Monday. And really not a surprise for a lot of those names, for Kyler, for Conner. Conner's second straight year as team captain. Fourth straight for Kyler Humphreys, Buda Baker, and Dennis Gardeck. And we also have a captain amongst ourselves here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. No, not myself or Paul Calvisi, but Lorenzo Alexander, a multiple-time team captain. How big of a deal is this in the NFL? Um, it's significant. I, and, and, you know, they did a little bit different here. You know, it always meant more to me, at least, when my guys voted me in. And sometimes I understand what happens with that. You know, sometimes guys vote for the highest paid player, who they think the best player is, and kind of forget about all of the essential things that go into be a leader. Um, and so sometimes you'll have a, a head coach step in and get with the coaching staff and maybe some of the other veterans and kind of pick a guy or pick several guys. But for me, when the when the guys picked you, if it, it, it just felt different, you know, okay, these guys respect me. They, they my game as a person. And for me, that meant something more so because I was undrafted, right? And so I'm trying to get – uh, respect from everybody, always trying to prove myself. And that was one of the ways, okay, we've, we we are validating you, right? Because you can't just be a great person. You also got to play well, right? Then that always takes your game to the next level and people see you as a captain. Okay, I'm leading on the field and off the field. So it was always a real cool experience. And obviously with that came a lot of responsibility. 
Um, and the older I got, you know, I, I learned how to handle it or do it, do it more intentional. Right. I think, first of all, you're trying to lead by example. How do I work out? How do I train? How do I prepare, prep for games? How do I show up in games? How do I respond to my teammates around me throughout the week? Right. And then as I got older and could handle a little bit more, then I would start intentionally. Hey, when we drafting guys, I'm, I'm reaching out and calling you right away. Hey, when you come in town, well, hey, man, let's go to dinner. Or come over to my house and hang out with my family. Let's create this atmosphere of welcoming guys in to help streamline that process of awkwardness of like, do I belong here? You know, who are you? And, and all these things and really get to know who they are. And so when I was able to speak to them, I spoke to them from a, a place of a relationship and it, it actually worked a lot better, especially when I got older. I'm 35 and I got a, a young Tremaine Edmonds who's 20, right? There's a big gap there and I, I had to be more intentional about how to feel and relate and connect with players. Having that see on your chest, Paul. You could tell how much, as we heard from Humphreys on Monday, how much it meant or means to him as now he's one of those older guys in the room with a lot of the players, the veterans, no longer in the building. Yeah, you got Kelvin Beecham in there, but DJ Humphreys, the longest tenured Arizona Cardinal, regardless of offense, defense, or special teams, and it meant something to him to once again be named a team captain. He called it one of the accolades he's most proud of that it symbolizes he's a leader of men. That in college, it's one thing, you know, you're a senior, you're a starter, okay, you're probably going to be named a captain if you're one of the team leaders, but that's more based on maybe your playing ability. But at this level, to be a four-time team captain in a locker room where guys are forging a living, right? These are grown men, so it had that significance to him. I also think it had more significance that – Cardinals aren't one of those teams where they named like a dozen team captains, okay, where half the starters <laughs> are named a team captain. In this case, less is more, and I think that made it more meaningful as well, that you did not need two hands or more to count all the team captains. Yeah, and it's really cool because I was here when DJ was drafted, and to know where he started and then see where he's at yeah. now, right, oh, yeah. it's just one of those proud moments like, man, that dude grew up and really understands, and now he's seen as a team captain because we all know when he first was here. that He was far from that. He was out in the back house, in the dog house, in the corner somewhere with B.A., but, right, he was resilient, right, and so he has an experience. So that's a, a thing that people can recognize when guys come in is like, I know I was drafted high, but it wasn't always easy for me, and that's a great connection point just to help young guys to speak into their lives when things aren't going right. Stay the course, young bro. Keep working, and you can continue. And then you can see, hey, look at me, man. I've been in the league, how long is it, eight years? Nine years? Eight, year, eight yep. years, right? I'm a team captain now. Those things, those experiences are invaluable. So it's really cool to see who DJ has become and obviously has solidified himself as a leader of men over the last you know, half of his career. Now, when Gannon named his team captains, there was a follow-up because there was a question on why Kyler Murray was named a team captain despite the fact that Murray is going to miss at least the first four weeks of the regular season. Here's J.G. He's a franchise quarterback, and everything that I want to, for our captains to be, he demonstrates it. Was not a surprise to me, Paul, and maybe for either of you guys, that all of a sudden that that became a little bit of a story, that here's someone, yeah, he's on Pup, but he's your franchise quarterback, he's your starting quarterback whenever he comes back, and yet why was he named a team captain? I didn't get it, I, but again, a lot of the national narrative with the Arizona Cardinals, I just don't get it. Look, Buda Baker's the heartbeat of the defense. Kyler Murray, let's not forget, is the heartbeat of this offense. 
for everything on offense where the Cardinals struggled a year ago, when they were clicking, when they were winning games, the games they did win, it was Kyler Murray playing really well. He is the rising tide that will lift all boats on this team to where you want to go. So for that alone, that alone, beyond what he demonstrated in this offseason to everyone, and I know DJ Humphreys talked about that, and we'll get to that, but I think there's been a renewed respect for Kyler Murray, Mm. who has also grown up himself, I believe, exponentially this offseason. That growth you saw to DJ Humphreys from when he was drafted age 20 and now is still only 28 in his eighth year. He came in, you know, zone. He had more of a teenager mentality at age 20. Kyler Murray, I think, in so many ways, is so much more about the team than he was maybe a couple of years ago because he was always the best player by far. It only took him one year of full time starting to win the Heisman. And so, but at this point, and what this coaching staff has charged him with, guess what? It's been mandated that he is that leader. And so I think for all those reasons and more, he gets the C. You referenced D.J. Humphreys. Let's hear from the Cardinals starting left tackle on why Kyler Murray is a team captain. Yeah, I think it's a reflection of how, how Kyler's handled this whole process. But I got to see him all summer training, lifting, running, like none of the fun stuff, you know what I mean? And that, like for me, it put me in a different view of him because you get to see someone grind through something really hard, and that was big for me. Watching him do that this summer was like really impressive. So it didn't surprise me at all when I, knowing that he was down, but we still named him a captain, he's, he's earned that. The work that he put in this summer that we all got to watch, it was, it's, it's, it's going to work come out tenfold when we get him back on that field. Now, again, we will see and judge Kyler Murray as we judge all these players, what they do on game day. But to hear Humphreys just kind of detail what was done in the offseason and just what Kyler went through and to show this new coaching staff, I think that more than anything, though, to me, is why Kyler Murray was named yeah. a team captain. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. And, and like I mentioned earlier, playing is only one component of being a leader. Um, you got a lot of leaders in the locker room that may not even get to play a lot of snaps. Maybe they're on special teams, but that does not make you a leader. It's the way you show up to work every single day. What type of guy are you? Uh, how are you working? How are you training? How are you preparing for games? How are you feeding the other guys, right? And so right now, Kyler's not obviously not playing the first four weeks. What One thing that we don't get to see, and I know I don't, I didn't come to a lot of practices and, and national media doesn't, but how is he engaging those quarterbacks, right? Some guys, when they know they're not going to play, well, you figure it out on your own. But I'm pretty sure, right, he's helping guys as he's helping himself and getting ready, but he's also helping guys understand, hey, this is what you do. This is my, my perspective. This is what I'm seeing, right? All those things matter, right? And when he comes back, the playing is just going to validate everything what we just heard DJ Humphreys talked about, right? And that just supercharges who he is every single day by when he comes out and plays. I think he's also really connected with Jonathan Gannon. You know, training camp, not only did you see him with the other quarterbacks, Lorenzo, but you saw him and Jonathan Gannon standing behind the defense a lot. And Kyler asking JG, okay, now why would you guys dial this up on defense? Trying to understand a defensive coordinator's mentality. And so I I think the two of those guys have hit it off. We've seen them around the building quite a bit. Um, And you know what? If there was a set of Kyler rules by the previous coaching staff, those have been eliminated. He's one of 53. He's always going to be the franchise quarterback. But in terms of adhering 
to what's expected, he is one of the guys. He is not an island unto himself anymore. Expectations are the same for every single player in that locker room. That's what you get the sense with this new front office and coaching staff. Hey, Cardinals single game tickets on sale now. Go to azcardinals.com forward slash buy tickets to secure your seats today. It's the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Shotgun Dobbs, third and six, steps up, throws a deep ball, downfield, caught! McMahon with the grab! A rainbow from Dobbs! Great job by Joshua Dobbs being able to deliver the football to the outside for McMath to be able to fall to the turf as he's catching the ball. Dobbs, deep drop, he'll throw to the near side. Catch made, Woods turns it upfield for the touchdown. Joshua Dobbs on time and delivers for the score. It is the first NFL touchdown for Joshua Dobbs. QB1, perhaps for week one for the Arizona Cardinals. Is that going to be Joshua Dobbs or Clayton Toon? There are your two options for the Cardinals right now, as we discussed earlier here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Kyler Murray on the physically unable to perform list, so he is out at least the first four weeks. And the thinking, the belief is, Paul, that yes, Dobbs will be the guy. He has the experience more so than the rookie Clayton Toon. And it just seems you make that move, giving up a fifth-round pick. Yes, it was late. It was fine. It was at the end of preseason or that Thursday before the preseason finale. You don't make that move with not the intention of starting a Josh Dobbs. Speaking of first, it's got to be the first time. If he indeed is your starter, week one this Sunday at Washington, the first time in Cardinals history, which spans more than a century, where the starting quarterback didn't take a single snap in the preseason with the team, wasn't there for any of training camp. He basically has two weeks to come in, learn the offense. Now he has a head start on that, and that's one of the reasons I think they went after him and gave up the fifth-round pick. I think there's another reason they went after him, and that's because if you listen to Jonathan Gannon, how many times has he said when he talks about Clayton Toon and now Josh Dobbs, I love the fact that they're able to make plays inside and outside the pocket. I think he values that a lot. We were able to talk to him on his TV show. He went into why exactly. You know, today's defense is so athletic, just the ability to extend a play and keep your eyes downfield and how many plays happen when a quarterback is able to do exactly that. And and let's face it, at soon to be 37 years of age, Colt McCoy did not have that aspect in his game. So I think that's one of those underlying maybe unnoticed reasons why they indeed made the move. And for anyone who was up in in Minnesota and watched those two joint practices, where you got a much better regular season read of Colt McCoy than you ever would in a preseason game. A, you were going against the Vikings starters. B, Brian Flores was really dying it up, dialing it up. He was really ultra-aggressive. And you know what? The production was not there from Colt McCoy in those two practices. And to me, it's not a fluke that a few hours after the second practice, boom, they called Cleveland, and the deal was done. Dobbs, two career starts. Last season, week 17 and 18 for the Tennessee Titans, where... GM, Monty Austin Ford is from, and now Dobbs is here running an offense that he's familiar with going back to when he began last season with the Cleveland Browns, 
because Drew Petzing was the quarterback's coach. Now he's the OC. Right. Connect the dots here, and it makes yeah. just makes so much sense. That's the NFL business, right? You know, typically you get a, a surplus of players wherever the head coach or GM has come from, or they've crossed over relationships. Because I had a and Danny Smith, he's the special teams coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers right now, and he kind of raised me up in his league. And he always used to say, right, the best players don't play on Sunday, the ones that I trust. Because at the end of the day, my job is on the line based on you doing your job, right? And so if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go with somebody that I trust and know and have built a relationship and a rapport with because I, I know they have my best interest. They're going to they're gonna be a professional. They're going to obviously prepare and do the best job they can to secure my secure my my job moving forward by their production, right? And so that's what you want to see, and that's why you have a guy like Dobbs coming in. I'm going to put a guy out there. I know how he prepares. We know he's uberly uh, smart. We know he has the ability to play quarterback. He hasn't had a ton of reps, but we know he has, based on what he did in Tennessee, the ability to be, um, I don't want to say a game manager, but he's not going to be the reason why you lose a game, right? And so it hurts that he doesn't have any game experience, but these two weeks with his mind, his ability to get in here, um, he has a great personality, so relating and connecting with the guys won't be an issue. But it's no different than somebody being hurt and you have to call somebody in and them stepping up and having to play. He's been in that. He's done that. He's been on multiple teams. So this this experience isn't unfamiliar to him. And so if he has this job, having this two-week window is, is, is icing on the cake for him. He's probably used to having two days getting in there and then let me figure it out. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. Well, last season he was signed on December 21st. Eight days later, he's starting for the Tennessee Titans. Right. So, really, this two-week window is double than what <laughs> yeah. he usually has, to your point, Zoe. But what are his teammates talking about, saying about Dobbs? DJ Humphreys on what he has seen in limited action with Dobbs. You can tell he already knows the offense. That's, that's, that's kind of the first thing that kind of struck me was like, oh, okay, we're not coaching him up on anything. He knows. He's telling me what I should – you know what I mean? So, that, I think that's the first thing I noticed about him is like he, he's very poised. He's very chill. And he, you can tell he knows this isn't his first time being in his offense, and it, it shows, you can tell. It's only been a handful of practices, so that's the offensive perspective on new quarterback Josh Dobbs. What about the defensive perspective? Zayvon Collins on what he has seen looking across the line of scrimmage at QB1. I know that he's a very smart dude from all the stuff. He was out there checking plays, so you can kind of see that where he sees things, where he's looking past just what's, you know, he understands what the concept of the defense is trying to do. He's checking plays, and they're audible and all kinds of stuff. It does not sound like someone that is confused or learning this offense, Paul. No, I mean, and look, he has the degree in aerospace engineering from Tennessee. He's done internships with NASA, all right, in his spare time during his playing career. All of a sudden, the Stanford guys in this roster are the second smartest guys in the room. So there's that. <laughs> but there's also, he, he, he has seen every sort of defense that's out there. He doesn't have a ton of starting experience, obviously, but his second start was a lot better than his first start for Tennessee, and that was a brand new offense. And let's face it, he had zero weapons around him in those two final games for Tennessee. They had the worst receiver room in the league. They had to go after DeAndre Hopkins. So you take all that. And you take the fact that when you get into the regular season, you know this, so they're not taking the entire playbook. They're taking a chapter, they're taking a slice, whatever they're going to use and design for that week's opponent. So right. he really has two weeks to master just a fraction of the playbook. And then when you saw Clayton Toon, and he's up there against the Vikings, and what happened to the five-yard line when Brian Flores sent the safety blitz from his right and he was caught looking left, 
never recognized what was in front of him, and you had the strip sack and the fumble at his own five-yard line, you realize that Clayton Toon is still learning on the job. And at least this is the seventh season for Josh Dobbs. And that's why the moment they traded for him, I figured it was his job to lose. goes back to what you were saying. So who do you trust week one? Because you're going to be facing a defense, and the regular season is different than a preseason game or a joint practice. Can you recognize and be that quick as far as your decision-making? Right, yeah. And and to you guys' point, he doesn't have a ton of in-game experience, but he has a ton of practice preseason. He's seen a lot, watched a ton of film, a lot of preparation that's going on, right? And the quarterback's mind is a lot of that is just film and watching. And we know he has a great mind. And so being able to see some of those things – Right, he may not have the pedigree quite yet, but he has the acumen in his mind to process it and at least get the ball out, right? Because, again, uh, a strip or getting sacked, strip, fumble on your own five-yard line, that is death to winning a game, right? You pretty much is pretty much that's one of the reasons how you lose. And so if you can just minimize those things, so, right, even if Dobbs was in there, he notices this, I get the ball out, maybe it's incomplete, but I live to fight another day, right? And so that's why you want to go with guys who you know – have a great understanding of of the offense, has seen a lot of things, and because they can make quicker decisions that may not be this world-beater decisions, but they're going to minimize mistakes that we saw uh, from a guy that doesn't have that much experience in the NFL. And then there's the style of offense, right? We figure this year's version of the Arizona offense is going to be a lot more balanced than the last four years. You're going to see a lot more James Conner. You're going to yeah. see a lot more of the run game. This isn't going to be like Trace McSorley getting the start on Christmas night and being tasked to throw it 45 times. Right, yeah, or th- yeah. No, you're, you know, you're going to get a healthy dose of the run game. Yeah, it's going to be significant. I mean, you just look at how the Eagles played last year, just physical, right? Offensive line, defensive line, just physical, bloody you up. I'm going to dominate you the entire game, right? And bringing that over with JG to this mentality, playing a lot of 12, 22, right? We're going to hit you in the mouth. We're going to run the ball. We're going to establish the line of scrimmage. Then we're going to play action off of that and take shots, right? That is, you know, if you listen to Ron Wolfley at all, this he's in heaven right now waiting to see this right now. He's probably sweating right now just can't, in anticipation of seeing this. So just right, being physical, right? People always want to see the sexy things on the outside and all that. The game is one in the trenches. And so if we can get physical play, right, consistent physical play on both sides of the line of scrimmage, especially with the offensive line with James Counter pounding the ball. You take a lot of pressure off of the quarterback because now that play action, you don't have people breathing down your neck, right? They're playing the run. Then you come up, you hit a guy over the middle, tight end, maybe a deep over, making some of these easier throws where I don't have to read the whole field at once. And so that's going to be a significant part of the Cardinals' success early on. Hot take. Cardinals fourth and one. They go for it. You're not going to see Josh Dobbs in the gun. And you're not going to see Josh Dobbs throw a bubble screen on fourth and one. <laughs> It'll be cram it vertical. Yeah, yeah. Jalen Hurst style. Yeah, I would not expect <laughs> something like that as we've seen previously. We heard from Humphreys earlier about the player, Josh Dobbs. What about the person, Josh Dobbs? Josh, he's quiet, dude. He's just what it seems like anyway for me. Uh, he went to Tennessee, though, so it could, he could just be a weird dude. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> that could be the case. So I, I haven't really quite figured him out yet, but I'm, I'm, you know what I mean? He's, a, he's on my team, so I'm going to find out. I'll let you know sooner or later whether or not he's a cool dude or not. But UT, starting out, ah, got to watch him. Got to watch him for sure. All right, we do need to let everyone know that DJ Humphreys is a Florida Gator, so there is right. where that dig comes yeah. from. That's the SEC humor. It's sort of like a couple of cow guys sitting in here, and now all of a sudden we got to really hang with 
Syracuse guys starting next year that we have to lower ourselves to join the ACC and actually rub shoulders with Syracuse guys like Gree and Dave Pash. Are you kidding me? I still haven't <laughs> mentally processed that. The door is open. We welcome everyone. <laughs> Can always get worse. We threw you a lifeline, Zoe. Yeah, we yeah, threw you a lifeline. Yeah. That's what I that was. Yeah. I get, but I, they talking about being in Dallas is going to be the neutral <laughs> site for everything. Yeah. Not only are we a member of the ACC, Zoe, but we're only getting a 30% cut of the TV money for the first seven years. Yeah, I blame that on our leadership. Oh, I'm, it's hold everybody accountable at the top. Come on. Champagne problems. Speaking of problems. Cardinals and Commanders. What's the problem that needs to be solved for Arizona to get the W? That's next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Banks will work from the shotgun right now. Three wide receivers. Cardinals back out of what they're showing as a blitz and send four after Banks. All kinds of time. Passes intercepted. Heading down the far sideline is Adrian Wilson. To the 30, to the 20, to the 10, to the 5. He scores. One of my favorite players, Adrian Wilson, this defense, young defense, is stepping up to the plate. Taking you way back, all the way back to 2001 when the Cardinals Radio Network team then was Tom Dillon and John Missler. The first career pick six for a young Adrian Wilson in 2001. As we say, welcome back. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Cardinals going back to our nation's capital on Sunday. 10 a.m. is the kickoff. 5.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins. And, Paul, the Cardinals have not won in Washington since 1998. Wow. I did not know that. That game, by the way, Adrian Wilson's first career pick six was also the final NFL game that Pat Tillman ever played. Mm. Four or five months later, he joined the Army. So how about the significance of that? How about the fact that Washington is going to start its seventh different season opening quarterback in seven years in Sam Howell? they got to figure that out. they got to figure this out. And with a new owner, and he has designs on this franchise. You got to figure that if Sam Howell isn't the guy and they just paid Jacoby Brissett a ton of money, $10 million, $8 million guaranteed to be the backup, he came in with designs on beating out Sam Howell, who had one start last year after being a fifth round pick. That didn't happen. So, look, it's now or never for these two quarterbacks on this roster. Otherwise, I fully expect, I think most people do, they're going to hit the reset button on the franchise quarterback in the offseason. Sam Howell started week 18 last season, beating the Cowboys with a touchdown and interception he was sacked three times and you brought it up Paul the former fifth round draft pick so before we get your thoughts on the commanders this season how about Ron Rivera the car the commanders head coach on his young quarterback I'm really pleased with with his overall growth and development I mean his command of the offense really has come along very nicely his decision making is probably one of the really good things that he's done you know he protects the ball for the most part he understands how important it is to protect the ball one thing that I know, I talked about his footwork, and I think his footwork has come a long way. I really do. I think he understands the importance of proper timing in your footwork. You know, he's, he's got a terrific arm, and he knows how to use it. And Sam Howe now is with a new offensive coordinator in Eric Bieniemy, who comes over after a decade with the Chiefs, the last five as the offensive coordinator. So not only is it is a new quarterback, but a new offensive coordinator, new play caller, and a new offense right. for Washington. Yeah, and I think the teams are similar in some ways when you think about developing a culture of winning, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, you heard a lot of noise during training camp that a lot of players in in Washington were upset with the way 
uh, Eric and uh, EB had come over and was coaching them, right, trying to hold them to a higher standard. And so I think you're going to see a very tough physical team come out uh, with that mindset because they're they're trying to do the same thing that the Arizona Cardinals are, are, are doing here as far as establishing more physical culture and not beating yourself. But they have a lot of great athletes over there. You know, I'm, I'm familiar with them. Obviously, I played there for a while. And it's going to be, I think, a, one of those good, solid matchups from start to finish. Got some question marks, though, at wide receiver with Terry McLaurin yep. dealing with that toe injury. And then on the other side with Chase Young, he's got a stinger, and then he's got knee issues on top of that. So two big pieces on offense and defense. That if you're the Cardinals, you're not quite sure if they'll be available. Here's the thing. Chase Young might be your fourth-best defensive lineman, honestly. They have three other first-round picks on that roster. This Cardinals O-line is going to get a massive test out of the gate. Oh, for sure. I mean, you talk about pain, Allen, Sweat. Those guys can all go. And obviously, Chase Young is still coming off of injuries, and he's still kind of banged up. Um, so it will be interesting to see how you handle that. But again, if you can run the ball, be physical up front, play action pass you can negate a good defensive line but you have to win on first and second down with the run game with some of the short passing games so you're never playing behind the sticks but if you're you know third and long second and long and allow these guys to get back and rush and they're coached really well by a guy named Ryan Kerrigan who played in the league for a long time they're going they're going to eat you up a little bit and that's just any that's just playing good football and then when we think about uh the offense of Washington and how they match up versus uh, the Cardinals defense I'm looking at one thing that um, Reed was really good at um, and is still great at is his first 15. And it's going to be really interesting to see how the Washington Commanders come out and attack this Arizona Cardinals defense And that first 15. That's going to tell you a lot, a lot of motions, a lot of screens, a lot of this and that. To write, and it is not necessarily about having a great talent. They just out scheme you and get you all flustered, and then they come back and get settled in and hit you in the mouth really quick. So it's going to be interesting to see how this Cardinals defense responds to that first 15 because I'm pretty sure uh, Bianami has learned a lot from Reed over those times. Look what happened last year, week one. Eric Bianami was on that sideline at State Farm Stadium when Patrick Mahomes had three touchdown drives on the first three possessions of yeah. the game. And that game was over right there, early second quarter. Eric Bieniemy, he was not the play caller, and he felt like that was holding him back. He didn't get those head coaching interviews, obviously didn't get a head coaching gig. And you know what? If he's got an edge to him, I wouldn't blame him because a Matt Nagy and a Doug Peterson were also OCs for Andy Reid and didn't call plays, and they got head coaching gigs. So Bieniemy has come in hot from all accounts. To, he's, he's high intensity. Yeah, He's putting in a lot of accountability on that offense. And guess what? They got a brand new owner. You've heard me say it, Craig. I already think Washington's one and zero. It's addition by subtraction. They got rid of <laughs> Daniel Snyder and that fan base. Yeah. You know that fan base real well. They've been waiting two decades right. to get rid of Daniel Snyder. So I think that that atmosphere is going to be off the hook. Yeah, and I like the running back too, Brian Robinson Jr. He was real physical, and again, that was Achilles' heel to this Cardinals defense last year, as far as being able to stop the run consistently. So I want to see what that looks like as well. We talk about the physical play, right? We talk about the offense and defensive line of the Cardinals stepping up. And so being able to control the line of scrimmage is going to be one of the first things that I'm looking at and who's winning in there, especially that early in the game, who's going to establish their dominance and then consistently maintain that throughout the game. One more from Commander's head coach Ron Rivera looking at the Cardinals and how Washington now prepares for a lot of unknowns. You prepare for what you see through training camp, and then you prepare for where they're from. You know, knowing what they are, knowing who they are defensively from having been in Philadelphia, um, knowing where their coordinator is on, on the offensive side, uh, you'll prepare for what, you know, he was last with. You know, you look at the two quarterbacks that they have, 
They're they're similar, but they're different. And so it you know uh, Jack's on top of it. I, I know their staff is on top of it. So I think we'll be ready. Gannon was asked about that on Monday, though, so just yeah. on how much maybe there is a bit of an advantage for the Cardinals because of Gannon and Nick Rollis being with the Philadelphia Eagles. Yet on the other side, like, okay, if you were Washington, like, okay, well, let's see what the Philadelphia Eagles did well. Right. Now, there's difference in talents, obviously, yep. but that's what you're – that's what you kind of have to do these first couple of games. Yeah, the first four weeks of the season is really based off of, right, doing your job at a high level, uh, great communication, great tackling, uh, or great blocking, just fundamental football. Because you don't know. You have an idea, right, based on previous seasons and what guys did at different places. But to your point, great coaches always make these little incremental changes based on the talent they have to play to their strengths. And so – Yes, there's a general understanding of it's going to be a lot of 12 and 22, some physical play, some play action stuff. But I also have to tackle well. I have to communicate well and just run my base defenses at a high level and reps. And that's what you really feel. That's what normally wins the first four weeks of the season. So whoever does that best, I think is going to come out victorious here. And then obviously as you continue to grow and develop and make these incremental changes and making adjustments, that's a coach's job within the game and players within the game to win those one-on-one matchups. Don't dismiss Sam Howell, Craig. I mean, he ended that Baltimore Ravens 24-game preseason winning streak <laughs> in the preseason finale. His preseason passer rating was like 122. Look out. He's Mr. August. Let's see if he can do it in September. Sam Howell. Preseason momentum. Does it? Is that even a no, thing? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't no, think that so. was all snark right there. Okay. By the way, Paulie, when you get to Washington, make sure you say hello to uh, Logan Thomas, the uh, fine yeah. Arizona Cardinals quarterback, now tied in number one. That's right. And been that way for a number of years with Washington. <laughs> Again, kickoff 10 a.m., 5.30. The pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. For Paul Calvisi, Lorenzo Alexander, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you in one week's time here on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.